2: For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown.
1: A podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world.
2: I'm Courtney Kosak.
1: And I'm Sophie Alexandra.
2: And we interrupt your regularly scheduled Comedians of Only Fans programming with an extra special presentation. Sophia, we're interrupting a special with a special. How fucking special is that?
1: It is so special. I just slid off my chair. That's how special (laughs) it is. Wet
2: and special. (laughs) Yes,
1: because we have a really cool guest. We are talking to Katie Fischel today. And Katie is a great artist. She observes human nature and then she... Uh, regurgitates it back to us in really funny comics about sex.
2: Yeah, she gives me hope for the future. She has this account. It's called Sex is Weird. It's an Instagram account just dedicated to how awkward and funny and, you know, shame-free we should all feel about sex. Katie's also a stand-up. I'm so excited to see her come up like the next few years. She's a young stand up and she's just so funny all around. I love this interview. Didn't you love this interview?
1: Yes. And uh, I obsessively like went through her Instagram, just spent hours going (laughs) down the holes. So um, I think after you guys hear this interview, if you've not seen the account before, you're going to do the same thing. Totally. Here we go.
2: All right. So I am so excited we can make this happen. I'm a huge fan of your sex is weird Instagram. Thank you. Yeah, if you just wanna give us a little background about yourself, and then we definitely want to dive in and hear about how this account got started.
0: Yeah, I mean I moved to LA like two years ago to do stand-up. I know y'all are stand-ups as well. So I was like, new in the comedy world. And I I've always drawn and uh, I started making like little cartoons, you know, around the time that I moved out here. And then I mean, started putting them online.
2: Were you drawing as a were were you always like a doodler as a kid? And like, have you always been drawing?
0: Yeah, I, I was a drawing major my freshman year of college. And then that was sort of like the joy of that was like beaten out of me because it was like a fine arts Degree, mm, right. I think, and I, that's just like not my bag. But I've been drawing since I was little. I mean, I've been making comics since I was little, little, and then I put it away after that experience in college because I was just like, I'm not good enough.
2: That's so fucked up. You pay them thousands of dollars
1: and they're like, no. <laughs> i know it's fucking academia man like sometimes that training can beat out the talent and the spark and it's becomes counterintuitive and counterproductive for the person who's in school
0: it's crazy and i remember the moment that it did happen or one of the defining things one of those things that just like never leaves you and i was at an orientation for one of the schools that I had applied to this this big art school in Chicago. And I went and we were doing a um, like a free draw. There was um, the term is leaving me when you have a live nude
1: figure drawing, Figure drawing. Mm, yes. <laughs> I was a live uh, figure drawing model. So I was on the other side. Soph's mom has like her
2: old figure drawing nudes
1: <laughs> s- scattered
2: around the apartment, her apartment in the
1: bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in a super chill way. So while you pee, you can be like, is that the naked your drawing daughter? of the daughter of you? I love
0: that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love to do that to guests, sort of let them figure out your life through like the weird pieces of art. <laughs> <laughs> like, little, little Easter eggs along
1: the way. Um, that's crazy. Wait, your mom was a, was a model or you were? I model? was a model and she just was so proud. She's like, everybody look at her titties.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. My mom, um, recently framed and hung up a, it's not, you know, explicit, but it certainly is like a painted portrait of my high school boyfriend with his shirt off. What? <laughs> that's amazing. away, was not meant for anybody's eyes, but.
1: Yeah. Hello, FBI. Yes. Uh, I would like <laughs> to report some child pornography hanging in this grown ass <laughs> woman's house. As
0: well, I was <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> literally framed and hung in my childhood bedroom. I like discovered this like a couple of years ago. I was just like that, you know, this can't be.
2: This week, <laughs> we, that's so I sweet. I just love she's how so your brow <laughs> like. I've always been a fan of him.
0: You <laughs> like, oh, know, no, really—it's nicely rendered, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: well, and by, by it, I mean his yeah, style, <laughs> and uh,
0: you know,
1: uh, but uh, <laughs> she's very proud. <laughs> but I
0: remember at the moment, basically, like yeah. I remember I was in a figure drawing. Class, and it was just a moment where I was like trying to draw. And we had like, we did the exercises of like, you have eight seconds to draw this figure, you have 30 seconds, and you have two minutes, or whatever. And just to see how your hand works, whatever. And the teacher came and he put his head over my shoulder and he looked at what I was doing. And he was like, I don't see it. He just shook his head and went, I don't see it. And then he went across the room, saw somebody else's, and he literally went, Ugh, oh, this is art. And then he held it up and it was the same shit. It was literally like AIDS. <laughs> and I was like, this is bullshit. Art school is bullshit. <laughs> I want no Dude. Hormones.
2: Yeah. Some like old has been alcoholic artist is like, no, she doesn't have it. It's what? like, what?
1: <laughs> Dude with half moon glasses and a goatee. No. Telling <laughs> yeah. It was like, I can't, I can't. Fuck, how is he exactly the stereotype that I pictured? Yeah.
0: It's like, yeah, dude, where's your scarf? It's just like it's
1: so funny how I'm so- picturing a beret regardless or like a backwards hat, you know what I'm talking about? Like <laughs> yeah. a newsboy cap or whatever the fuck, but Not backwards. Really. <laughs> what were the like the director caps that are like the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. know they look
0: backwards like yeah, they're like the messenger boy caps. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he speaks through a big cone in a like a big folding chair. Yeah. But anyway, so I didn't draw for a long time because
2: I didn't think I was good at it. And then I kind of started again. What were you doing in that downtime where you were like, I guess I'm not going to be an artist. What's next? I mean, I like explored a lot of avenues. I mean, I dropped out of college and then I worked
0: as like a preschool teacher for a second. It was like a life crisis moment. I was like 19 in this preschool. (laughs) Like, What the fuck am I doing? Working for a year, miserable, miserable. And then then got back into school, thought, okay, I can't draw, but maybe I like to write. So let's combine those two. So I'll be an art history major. And then I was trying to be like an art conservationist. And then I like interned at this place. And I was like, this is the most boring thing I've ever experienced in my life. And then and <laughs> after that, I was trying to be a chef for a while. And I was like, tr- like in kitchens and working in kitchens for years. And like, it just took me a long time to find my way
1: back. I have to say. It was, it was several years. It's pretty fucked up that you got sabotaged by your teacher from, like, pursuing the love and the creativity that was already inside you this whole time. But the cool thing, I guess, is that all of the richness of your, like, other jobs and life experiences now contribute to your art and make your cartoons so much more poignant.
2: Right. They would be without any life experience. Exactly. Yeah, Totally. Thank you. That's really kind. I mean, I think that is truly it's key with comedy
0: in any way. I mean, I also like a lot of my stand up is about, you know, like I have jokes about like writing in kitchens and being a nanny and like whatever. And it's all like I if I had started, I was all, you know, in my head about starting comedy so late when I moved to L.A. because I felt old. I was 25 when I moved to L.A., you're so stupid. <laughs> but, it's, you know, yeah, it's like, but it's like, oh, you
1: hear, you know, oh, my God, well, so-and-so started when they were 12. And I know there is
2: that whole yeah. psychology. No, you're it. not
1: wrong for thinking that. We've been convinced that by literally every part of the show business machine. But I just think it's so, the older I get, the more insane it is when I hear, like, young women say things like, oh, I thought I was over 25. And I'm like, yeah, I was saying that even last year. And I was in my mid-30s then. You know what I mean? We say that all the time every year. We're like, oh, oh, I thought they buried me last year in the (laughs) graveyard with the other 30-year-olds.
2: But it does show how powerful the cultural narrative is. Yeah. Dude,
0: what? It's really crazy because I thought that I was like able to, I'm from Tennessee. I'm not from, you know, I didn't grow up in like a big city But, like, that narrative, like, oh, move to L.A., New York, it will change you, blah, blah, blah. Like that, You know, that stuff, like, won't creep in. And then as soon as I stepped foot in Los Angeles, I was like, I'm old. I'm too old. Too old. And it just, I don't know where, nobody told me that. It's just, like, it just seeps into you. It's really unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's fucking toxic. And you don't notice it until you leave again. And, like, that's why there's all these cheesy jokes about, like, oh, uh. I'm a four in L.A., but a 25 and whatever, because like the truth is the expectations for looks are way more reasonable and more like what people's actual likes are when you leave Los Angeles because it's the land of make believe and it's not offensive to the rest of the country it should be really offensive to Los Angeles that here you have to be forever 21 and still have had plastic surgery and all this stuff for people to be like, you're hot, you're happening. And you go anywhere else and you're like, oh, I guess just being alive and being confident and happy with myself is good enough here. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like that, that gorgeous, like
0: double-edged sword that we have here as well, where it's like, oh, well, you simply must look this way and be this young, but if we catch you trying, then you're fucked. Then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we see that you have Botox? Oh, well, then you're fake. Oh, we see that you work out, like, two hours a day? Oh, you're conceited. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you better not have an eating disorder, but you better be real thin, you know? Mm-hmm. It is a it is, uh, uh, hell. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but I, I do you know, uh, hope that it is changing in some way, shape or form. I would love to believe that, you know, generationally and also like with this fucking pandemic that is like shattering everybody's lives and, you know, cracking open what we actually understand to be what is important and what is not, I hope to God we at least come out of this being like, Maybe we don't have to have eight pack abs. You know what
2: I mean? Yeah. Maybe. I feel like we're seeing it a little bit, even just with women being allowed to have slightly longer careers than they ever could before. And like part of that is, you know, headlining women becoming producers in certain ways, which kind of changes the culture, but it is so slow to change. Yeah, It's crazy. Yeah,
1: But that's what's cool about you being such a great creator and like a public woman creator. So especially on like somewhere like Instagram where people can get to see what you do on like a large scale and then feel like, oh, yeah, what I, I'm tripping, like I should just do my thing, you know, <laughs> And I think that's really cool and super inspiring. I was going to ask you, how does your stand up, would you say, interrelate with like your art?
0: I mean, I
1: really, for a
0: long time, tried to keep it separate. And I don't really understand why. I mean, I also will say a long time, meaning I created Sex is Weird about a year ago. You know, it's not old. And so, uh, and I started doing stand-up, you know, two years ago. So Mm -hmm. again, not old. All new, all new, all beautiful. But I will say that I, for, you know, the majority of the time that I've had this account, I was like, this is a completely separate thing and uh whatever it's hard to say because again I was new with stand-up and whatever but it's like I do think I just like am more successful with the cartoons I think I just I found my voice faster with the cartoons than I did with stand-up absolutely and so now it's like well you know I have rewritten jokes that I told on stage for the cartoons you know but I used to not talk about sex that much on stage I started to and then the pandemic hit but like now it's like, oh, I'll kind of write one-liners and raw one-panel, one-liner things, you know, or like visual punch-up is like very fun in the way that like, oh, if I'm telling a story on stage, I was always extremely descriptive. And so then, you know, that translates into like, well, what is this character wearing? What are they like positioned like? You know, what's in the background? What's going on? You know, what What are they drinking? It's like, it all can be information, you know? It all
1: can be a joke.
2: Hey, Sophia, how are those resolutions coming?
1: I don't want to talk about it.
2: <laughs> okay, so not so good. But Sophia, it's not too late to turn your resolutions into reality in 2021. I have the perfect thing.
1: Oh God, please help me. I just had a whole cake for breakfast. <laughs>
2: No! Sophia, you need Sakara. Sakara is a wellness company rooted in the transformative power of plant-based food.
1: That's awesome. One of my resolutions was to eat less meat.
2: Well, then Sakara's perfect because their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful, plant-rich ingredients, and they're designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing.
1: Okay, that's another resolution to get my skin right then you
2: need Saqqara. Plus, their menu of creative, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners changes weekly, so you'll never get bored. And it's delivered fresh, anywhere in the US.
1: Awesome! And I just looked it up, it looks like Saqqara has received rave reviews from Vogue, The New York Times, and many more.
2: That's right, and along with delicious, plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials for optimal nutrition. Sakara's supplement packs called the Foundation and their Metabolism Super Powder deliver support for gut health, energy, immunity, and healthy skin. And on top of all that, right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash private or enter code private
1: at checkout. Ooh, I'm going to sign up. So that's Sakara, S A K A R A dot com slash private. And I'm going to get that sweet 20% off, honey. That's
2: right. 20% off your first order at sakara.com slash private. So let's go back to when you found Joy in the Doodling. And how did you get the inspiration to start the account? And what were your first couple cartoons?
0: I actually just found the original sketchbook that I started it in. And it's, it fucking blew my mind because they're so, I mean, it's so sketchy, but I started drawing the cartoons sort of as like, I'll say it, like a cry for help. I was just like, I <laughs> and I was working at a gym, but it wasn't that I was at the front desk because I, I have a lot of experience working with children. So I was working in like the children play pen area, but it was like, it's a like hip little um, chic silver lake gym so nobody had kids so I would literally sit from like nine to two every day in this playpen a grown person like grown woman and then like (laughs) in the dark and then like while hot women go to yoga and they would walk past the big glass window and look at me and frown and I was really uh it was really embarrassing and so I would just sit there and try to act busy and there's only so much you can do on your phone. And so then I was just like, well, I guess I'll start doodling. And I um, kept a journal. And it was sort of like I was writing jokes and, and journals and stuff. And then I would do little sketches. And then there was an idea that I had. The first drawing that I remember doing was a joke that I had that I couldn't figure out how to, you know, tell on stage. or, or I of that. Yeah, and it was something like basically it, the the and the drawing was um, like when it, whenever a man asks me to like sit on his face, it makes me feel like a mother hen, and I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> 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 so I did,
1: it's
0: like, like an anamorphs cartoon me squatting on a man's face, slowly turning into this like fucked up like hen. You know, on an egghead, and um, and I do that, and I like sent it to a friend of mine because I thought it was funny, and then she thought it was funny, and then I just sort of, I mean, I just made little doodles like that in a big sketchbook, and then I bought a sketchbook, my first sketchbook for you know in years, and started making these little jokes, and they were all. they were all sex related and it was something where it was like I've had these thoughts and I've had these conversations and I've had these inside jokes with like you know predominantly female friends for the entire time that I've been sexually active and I didn't know where to put it ever and so I started collecting them and the first idea was like well maybe this could be like a book one day or whatever and I really was a I still am, like, very afraid of Instagram. I'm, like, very afraid of Twitter. And so it was not my goal to be online with it. But it is, you know, also, like, that's sort of the thing. Instagram is is really, depending on what you're making, can be a really great platform for artists. So I started with the, like, encouragement of everybody around me because I was truly petrified. Like, I started putting them online. And you can see... On my profile, it doesn't take long. You can scroll down to the bottom and see what the first ones really looked like. And they are simple. I would draw them on paper, take a picture of it. And then with the photo edits that come on your iPhone, I would with my finger color them in if I could. And they, you know, looked like shit. (laughs) But it was like fun. And it really got the point across. And I just tried to do it, you know, like multiple times a week. And it was just a pastime, you know. And then it like fucking people responded and it was incredible. It was so cool. And you know, now it's like, holy shit. It's just so weird how sometimes that stuff happens. I had no plan to have this be a part of my life. And now it's like my whole world is I, you know, tell people I'm a cartoonist. It's what I do for money. It's
2: um, it's a, insane. That's awesome. Was it an instant hit or what were the first milestones? I mean, my friend Alex,
0: Heller, who's a comedian, and she runs a meme account called The Mentally Trillist. It's like a mental illness like meme account. And she um, uh, saw it and like, promoted it a lot and was just like, this is really good, you gotta keep doing this, and was just extremely supportive. And then this guy who's, this other big account like gave me this other big boost Like a couple months later, this guy Alec with Penn is- this, I love him! He's so sick, I love his work.
1: I've been following him for years. He's hilarious.
0: He's really great. He's just, a, I mean, you know, he's another cartoonist comedian guy. And, um, yeah, his work is wonderful. It also deals with, I would say, like, depression and, like, you know, really, like, emotionally vulnerable material. But he's just, like, so deeply funny. And anyway, so he, like, promoted the shit out of the account. And, you know, I got followers from it. And then it just has continued to grow since then. And it's just um, it's just super cool. And I think I sort of realized... You know, I was, like, on to something when I started to see the DMs come in to the account that were, like, people, strangers, unprovoked, started just, like, telling me their, you know, their stuff, their, their, like, deepest, darkest secrets or whatever, or moments of embarrassment. And it was just, like, holy shit, this is, like, a weirdly untapped community? It was, like, I couldn't believe that, like, it was just really, really, really cool. I feel really, really lucky.
1: That's amazing. Would you say that there was like a moment where you were like, oh, shit, this is real? Or was it just like a gradual kind of dawning where you're like, oh, these two people that I really respect just gave me like major props on Instagram and like, you know, oh, I'm starting to get DMs. Was it like sudden or did you just kind of start noticing a wave? I think it was like a little bit of both. I would say a couple of things, obviously, like getting
0: promoted by those people is like, you know, awesome. But also, my account got deleted or, like, you know, disabled by Instagram eight or nine times in the first couple of months that it was active. Wow. And the first time it happened, it was six days into its existence. And it's, like, it also, you know, my art has improved a lot since I started. But also, like, my art back then, it was, like, it was so simple. I mean, these are, like, lines. These are, like really crudely drawn figures that instagram was you know wiping thinking that i was like a sex bot or like whatever uh and like deeming it you know inappropriate for viewers or whatever the fuck. so having that happen was sort of a wake-up call where it's like oh holy shit i didn't realize um how hard it is to talk about human bodies and sex in a Way that is like not. I'm not soliciting anybody. I'm not. You know, Mm -hmm. whatever. I support sex workers, by the way. But like, but you know, it's like I, like I'm not. I'm not.
2: I'm not. These are you're not even trying to be crude. No, No. and you're still. Yeah. No, I'm literally like arrow pointing
0: to an anatomical drawing of a fucking vulva, and it's like Instagram is like you can't do that, and you know. So that was a moment, and then also. To be real, a couple weeks into the account, I was out to dinner with my family and I got a DM from a girl who was like, I'm 15 and I have nobody to talk to about this. And if I ever tried to tell my mom about this, like she would kill me and none of my friends talk about this stuff, but I want to lose my virginity and I feel like I'm ready, but I don't know how, so can you help me? And it was like this earnest, earnest moment from this girl who was just like, had literally nobody else to fucking talk to. And it was just like, you know, it was really kind of astounding to see. I didn't think that I was doing anything. I still don't think that I'm doing anything that fucking like radical. It's just talking about sex. But then you realize like in so many parts of our country and the world, people don't do that they can't they feel like they can't or they feel like they shouldn't and it's really upsetting to me.
2: you're destigmatizing and diminishing everybody's shame by just having this conversation but I heard you talk about a story that you share or a cartoon that you shared that was about one of your personal experiences where it kind of it made me wonder about the reverse of that. Mm. It was a situation when you were younger with an older guy. I mean, I guess what I'm asking about is like, now do you feel this responsibility in how you tell these stories because of when it might seem like you're condoning something like an inappropriate age relationship or whatever? Do you know what I mean? Like, how much does that factor in when you're telling this story? And do you feel a little bit beholden to that?
0: Uh, That's a good question. I mean, I think it's tough because I, you know, I really try not to censor what I say on that account when I'm talking about my own experience, you know, because it's like, well, this is undeniable. And I think the important thing, especially with, I think the story that you're, was it the online
2: thing? Yeah. Do you want to explain that just a little bit for listeners to give some context? hundred percent.
0: Yeah. No, I, I um, you know, I, I, when I was like 15, I had a very sexual relationship with an older man online who I like met on like truly like chat roulette or like one of those sites. And we like developed like a Skype relationship and he was, you know, 30 or something. I think he maybe had a kid and it was something that we, I engaged with, we engaged with for like in for, for, I mean, years. And I, at the time didn't, think that it was bad. In fact, I, at the time, and this is what I explored in the cartoon and I just sort of laid it out as it was and as I remember it, which is fucking complicated and obviously I'm not condoning pedophilia because at Mm. the end of the day that is what that was and I would never, I would never condone that. But this is what happened. And at the time as a 15 year old exploring my sexuality, I thought that I was in control of the situation And I thought that it was an empowering thing for me. I felt empowered by it at the time. And I felt like, well, it's not bad because, like, he's not here with me. It's in my room. It's a contained thing that I, you know, control. And I, you know, like, don't have to talk to this guy if I don't want to. And it never went beyond truly, like, it wasn't like we made plans to see each other. We never made you know, plans or promises or anything like that. It was just like, you know, I would be in my room, we would talk, we would talk about fucking movies or whatever you could possibly talk to a child about. And then sometimes we would have Skype sex. And I'm not saying that that's uh, okay, because again, it's not, but it was. it's just something that I look back on and it's complicated. It's complicated to me. I don't really know what the answer is because that stuff is like, well you know, technology is new. This is all still really new. Even though it's been around since we were little, it's really fucking new. So my parents, like, I, they they don't know about that, I don't think. And I don't know what they would have done if they did find out, you know? It's also, like, yeah, that, that literally is a parent's worst nightmare, I would say. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, like, you know, chat rooms are dangerous 101. And it happened to me. And, um, you know, it's, like, the thing that I think about a lot is, like, oh, while I, I feel like I trusted this guy, you know, he fucking could have recorded me and I have no idea. I'll never know. And it's just a where it's like something like that, writing about it. I truly in my heart do not believe that me saying that something happened is the same thing as me condoning it.
2: You know? No, no, I'm not saying that, but I just mean, do you wrestle with those questions? Absolutely. No, I, I wasn't
0: accusing you Yeah, you know, but it's, you know, it was a hard thing to post because I was, like, worried that people would think that I was, you know? But I chose to because I wanted people to understand because I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that I have other friends that have, have done the same things, you know? And I just think it's important to talk about it because it's, like, if we don't, then, like, what else is there? If you're going to feel alone with something, I just feel like that is the one of the most harmful things, especially with, like, sex and and relationships and abuse and and everything. It's Mm -hmm. like, you have to feel like you are not alone with it.
1: Yeah, that's so well said and so beautiful. And you're 100% right. And I love that you were so vulnerable with your audience to let them know about it. Because I feel like one thing that we don't talk about enough is how women from the time we're young girls are raised to literally believe that having sexual appeal and having men or boys be into us is an achievement. So then it becomes something when you're 15 and you're noticing that you're developing more and more people are paying attention to you, it's really hard to then turn off all of the societal conditioning, which has taught you that, you know what? You're actually really mature. And you know what? If you feel sexy, you are, without understanding that sexy in your own world, is different than uh, when your sexuality gets co-opted by an adult. And I think we don't know that when it's happening when we're young. And it's really hard to see the line being drawn when you're also turned on and you have feelings. And for a lot of men who are doing this to girls, that's part of it. They are making you feel like you are a willing accomplice. This is something that you want because you yourself are a sexual being. So you're getting manipulated and groomed in a way that in a weird way ties in your sexuality into their sexuality, which is so damaging because you yourself should get to be a sexual person and grow up into a woman without having an adult man interfere. But pretty much no girls that I... Know who are women now got that as girls. Well, what intrigues me
2: about it too is that, like, you were seeking agency in a sexual outlet in a way. I mean, the way that you tell the story is beautiful because, like, it is so nuanced and complicated. I mean, of course, you had a want for that too. It just wasn't the appropriate outlet. It's just, yeah. it's just so, all of it is so complicated.
1: But that's what I'm saying, like tying in a young girl's sexuality into a man's like sexual fulfillment makes something that on her own is not in any way shameful or dirty or gross, then get tied up in these weird moral complications because the man is 30 and she's 15, you know, and I think that's what sucks about it is it it, it like completely completely hampers a normal 15 year old to develop these sexual feelings and to test them out in a way that's not like where she's being preyed upon. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's,
0: you know, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, I feel like even 10 years ago, if I told that story out loud, you know, I would have only been met with like, well, you were literally asking for it. You went online, you sought Mm -hmm. it out. You were attracted Mm -hmm. to this person. You, like, put yourself out there, and it's like, you know, in a way, all of those things are true. Everything that was just said is true. I did want to be there. I engaged with it myself, but it's like, yeah, obviously, he should have fucking known better. Obviously, that guy, like, is a pedophile. Mm -hmm. That's not okay, and it shouldn't be up to me, and it's like, it's not my fault that I'm a, a horny <laughs> teen who exactly has mm-hmm. something to get out and wants to feel empowered in my own body. You know, that's that's not on me. It's not on me. It's on the adult. It always is and it always will be. That's it. End of fucking story, man. It's like all of these, like every comedian that, you know, whatever, whatever we can get into that, but like, you know, oh, yeah. just stand up news, just like, oh yeah, cool. Everybody's a fucking pedophile. Yeah. Obvi- great. But it's like anybody, you know, who argues like, well, even if like they you know, we're talking about like the legal age of consent. Well, you know, she was 18 or she was 19 and he was, you know, 42 and whatever. It's like, they're a legal consenting adult. It's like, yeah. Think about who you were at that time. Think about who you were as a 19 year old person (laughs) like i did not have the capacity to like deal with you know like i dude it's like if i had a fucking nickel for Mm -hmm. every every old dude i dated when i was in my early 20s late teens every old dude my friends dated when they were in their early 20s late teens it's just this like vicious disgusting cycle it's literally like oh, the culture of you're mature for your age. It's like,
2: what is this? What's going on here? It's so fucked up. I feel like you just took us to church. Thank you.
1: 100%. (laughs) Yes, you did. I got shivers (laughs) because that was so real. Yeah. It's weird that we like learn to take that as a compliment when you're like 13 and a guy is like, oh, I thought you were 18. You seem so mature for your age instead of being like, oh, he's saying that so he can feel okay about trying to fuck me. It's know, there's the line. And as soon as we're a little bit
0: over it or whatever, yeah, yeah, how can we make this okay for this man?
1: Hey, Courtney, do you know who the lead singer of U2 is? Bono, you got it. Oh my God, you're going to crush on Trivia Star. What's Trivia Star? So glad you asked. Trivia Star is a free mobile quiz game that's so fun and so challenging. You can choose categories like music, sports, movies, TV, animals, celebrities. There are over 60 categories to choose from, so there's always more trivia to play with.
2: Ooh, I love the sound of that. And if you choose the correct answer from multiple choices and beat the clock, you move on to the next level.
1: And the questions get harder over time, but if you get stuck, don't worry. You can use coins and gems to get a hint and beat the level.
2: Trivia Star has 2,000 five star reviews in the Apple Store. Join them today and see if you're smart enough to
1: win. And right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Just go to the Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star.
2: Again, search Trivia Star and enjoy 2,500 coins and 500 gems.
1: Download Trivia Star for free today.
2: So, on a happier note, yes. <laughs> masturbation, common theme in your work. <laughs> Soph and I. Also, big fans of masturbation, of call ourselves the drill team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that is like destigmatizing on a, a very positive level. So, what draws you to those kind of stories?
0: Masturbation, I think, is just a funny thing always because not for the reasons why I think we see it be funny or like comedicized in like film, but like, you know, it's not. I don't think masturbation is embarrassing. I think a lot of people like to talk about masturbation as, like, this weird, gross thing we all do privately, but it's, like, I think it's funny because it's, like, have you ever seen your reflection when you're actually masturbating? I just, like, I think it is so deeply funny how, like, and sad, you know, whatever, we can go down that road as well, but it's, like, how different... The first time I ever tried to masturbate in front of someone during sex... I was became so aware of like oh this only works if I'm literally like <laughs> down on my mattress yes. back <laughs> a little bit and then there's like a half cliff bar on like the pillow next to me that's the only way <laughs> actually the only
2: way I can come. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. It's like you know man versus man man versus nature whatever this is like just man versus horniness always it's so crude yes (laughs) yes
0: it's so funny and I think there's obviously there's reasons for that it's like when you're when you're little or whatever and like you first start exploring your body and stuff it's like inherently so like physically awkward you have no idea what you're doing whatever and you're like figuring Mm -hmm. it out and then like that's where it's like I feel like for a lot of people, it's like that's where like a stuffed animal comes in. That's where like a corner of a bed comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, all this stuff. And then it's like, well, then obviously that physicality somehow does translate into your adulthood, you know? So all of a sudden for me, it's like, oh, wow, I never like penetration was, I, I never penetrated myself when I masturbated. It was all clit stuff. So it was like, oh, it's like, it's like, like it's so impossible. I have to go through like the most rigorous, like concentration process to come during sex because it's like, well, yeah, that's just not how I learned to come, you know? (laughs) It's it's just, um, uh, it's, it's just so funny. Yeah, I, I, I I love it. I love talking about masturbation. I feel like everybody, it, it's, it's such a shame, obviously, that like, there's so much stigma around it or that, you know, people are so embarrassed by it and like, yeah, it is inherently embarrassing because it, it. the, the only reason why, is I would say, is because it, it does reveal something about your childhood in a very
1: real way. Do you know what I'm saying? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, Courtney and I got quoted in a Men's Health article about masturbation. And one of the things that we talked about in it is like, you're made to feel embarrassed when you get busted when you're young. Yes. So then that fucks you up for later because you're like, oh, no, like I, it, it, no one better catch me. So of course, you can't have a healthy relationship with it when someone made you feel like you just got caught doing something, you're like, I wasn't murdering anyone. Well, why am I ashamed? Yeah, so my vagina. fun. Yeah. Ow. Ow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
0: it's so funny, but it's like, I would also, I would also be so curious to talk to someone who was like, if whose masturbation experience or whatever was like celebrated in their home because I wonder it's like
2: yeah so Emma Cohen Mm -hmm. remember Soph when we had her on the podcast she did an anthology of basically female orgasm stories and she said on the podcast that there was like no shame talking about it when she was growing up so I think if you grow up like that you just write the book on (laughs) it You literally are so chill about it. You're like, this would be my debut.
1: You <laughs> so love that. But you know what? Like, that's one of the reasons that I mean, I don't know how you felt about like having your art as your outlet and your stand-up as your outlet, but like One of the stories that I tell on stage is about like getting busted when I was a kid masturbating and like Mm -hmm. getting threatened about whatever. And like the reason I started telling that story is because I was so ashamed about it growing up. I would think about it every once in a while and I would be like, if anyone found out about that, I would be so embarrassed. And I wasn't <laughs> embarrassed of like masturbating as an adult or anything, but you know, and then I started telling it on stage and it was like a huge relief to just know, like, yeah, if I just say it out loud, there's like no monsters out here anymore. Like it's fine. Do you feel like that kind of amount of release when you do your art and your standup? Yeah. I
0: mean, I think that's like what, art is all about, man. I really do. Like, if you want to get like groovy with it, like I truly, it's like, what else is it, you know? It's like, how how do we form these connections and how do we change the way that we like view ourselves? And like, I mean, it can be massively therapeutic, you know? And it's like, that is definitely the only reason why I started this account was like, you know, like for myself. I mean, to like reckon with a lot of these things, like a lot of painful things in my life that I uh, never talked about. I didn't start seeing a therapist until this year. You know, I was just sort of like, I felt so alone with a lot of this stuff, big stuff and small stuff. And it's like, you can't discount how small those things are where it's like literally everyone has a horrible masturbation memory Mm -hmm. of some kind. I swear, you know? And it's like, that doesn't mean that yours isn't like specifically painful to you. Of course. But it's like, thank God you can go on stage and you can hear that laughter. And that like tells you, it's like, you know, oh, I'm not alone. This is a common experience. Thank God. And yes. I, yeah, I mean, truly something that I, I constantly explore and it's so fun for me to explore is like my child self in the cartoons. And I have so many, I mean, I just, I just posted one that is about the first time I ever tried to have phone sex. And it is such a deeply embarrassing memory. And I have so many cartoons about like weird little horny things that I used to do as a kid. And just like, oh, I used to draw my own porn. And it was Simpsons themed because. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you know, we would have been
1: such good friends. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) But for a long time,
0: that lived with me as like oh, I, I hate myself, and these are the reasons why, because I was so awkward, because I, you know, didn't under, I hated my body, I hated the way I looked, and blah, 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 and, like, now it's sort of become, like, truly through this process, like, a celebration of that child self, and I just, like, yeah, it's, like, massively
2: helpful.
1: That's so beautiful. I don't know if we want to ruin it. (laughs) Yeah, I know.
2: I think that's I have more questions, but that's such a great way to end. And I do want you to tell us, though, about I've been following you probably for most of the time you've had an account, I I guess. Yeah, because it feels like it's probably been about a year. But anyway, um, I've been seeing more kind of social justice themes on your account obviously yeah. recently and um you did a collab on homelessness so if you could kind of tell us about those things and what you're trying to do with that now
0: yeah I mean you know it's like uh I, I feel like it's kind of insane to not uh get involved in some way or another uh, you know like whether or not you have a platform but especially if you do if people are listening mm-hmm. to you it's really easy to be a good person, you know? I mean, I feel like it's like, it's really easy to open yourself up to bigger things and try to help in some way. So I started collaborating with this man, Theo Henderson, uh, who is just fucking awesome and hilarious and great. And he is an unhoused resident of LA and he's been unhoused for, you know, seven years. And he started a podcast It's amazing. It's called We the Unhoused. Consider this a big old plug. Everybody listening to this, please subscribe to his podcast, We the Unhoused. And um, it is just basically like a platform for unhoused voices. And he does interviews. He does like segments called Unhoused News, which is like news coverage that like you never see. You would never see because frankly, like nobody gives a shit about these people. And I think it's like there's 60,000 unhoused people in Los Angeles right now. It's a fucking travesty. It's disgusting mm-hmm. the way that we treat these people. And uh, I, you know, whatever. I like reached out to Theo and was like, you know, I, I, would you be interested in collaborating and like telling some of your stories um, in a cartoon format? Would you be interested in that? He's like, totally. And so we started making cartoons. It's new. We, we do them monthly. And so we've only made two so far but the third one's coming out in like a couple weeks and, um, you know, it's just really real heavy, either comparisons of my life as like a white house woman and his life as a black unhoused man or, um, his own stories of just being a black unhoused person in the streets of Los Angeles. Uh, He's, he's just, he's just fucking awesome. He's just really great. And, um, you know, we're trying to get this guy at home and, 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 and you know, mm-hmm. uh, tr- we're trying to, like, you know, do whatever we can for this, like, marginalized community because, like, it seems like, you know, the mayor certainly isn't, you know. Uh, I, I'm so grateful for, like, my circle of friends that have, like, made me more, uh, that have radicalized me. I'm, I'm thankful for DSALA, the Democratic Socialists of um, Los Angeles, um, for radicalizing me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, gonna be a you know lifelong
2: commitment you know loud ass person for justice that's great yeah where can people find you online at sex is weird sex underscore
0: is underscore weird Uh, i almost said at instagram.com because i'm 97 years old (laughs) (laughs) at instagram.edu and um uh, my personal Instagram is at katie Fishel, k-a-t-y-f-i-s-h-e-l-l
2: if you want to follow me
1: there as well
2: everyone should thank you so much
1: this has been amazing such a pleasure thank you for doing it thank you so much Katie is such a gem. Love her so much. That was such a fun interview. And you guys have to follow her, obviously.
2: Yeah, go to sex underscore is underscore weird over on Instagram. And it's been a couple months since we talked to her. We've been saving this interview in our back pocket. So her latest cartoon for the We the Unhoused series is out now, and so many more fun, fresh comics over on that account. So make
1: sure to go give her a follow. And while you're over there, just following people and in your following frenzy, maybe you want to follow us. The podcast is at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un. On Twitter, and our personal handles are I'm at the Sophia, S O F I Y A.
2: And I'm at Courtney Kosak, last name K O C A K. Just got body painted. You know, if you need a little incentive, head on over there and check out the sweet body art.
1: Yeah, this is sexy as hell. Courtney is all naked and painted up. And, you know, as her best friend, I highly recommend you look at her naked body. <laughs> also, we're going to collab.
2: We are going to collab with that body painter. Ruston is cool as shit. And we're definitely going to have him on the podcast at some point. And of course, we have a bunch of other fun stuff coming up for you. We have more comedians of only fans. We have more extra special specials, including some older freaks which i'm very excited about
1: yeah that couple who does ecstasy and fucks and they're in their 60s or 70s older i think even 70s yeah so really fun stuff
2: so stay tuned hey sophia what's that bomb ass music this music is by our friend amy rosh
1: find her on spotify r-a-a-s-c-h
2: this episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio.
1: We love we you, love you Mike. Mike. Monster Sorry, gosh. yeah, I was doing that one from Hades. <laughs> Get a little monster in your throat. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've been enjoying what we've been doing, please leave us a five-star review and rating wherever you listen to podcasts it means so much to us we read every single one and we'll read yours on air next time so go for it
2: yeah it's super easy to leave us a rating and review no matter where you're listening you can just go to ratethispodcast.com/private you can leave us a rating and review from whatever platform that you listen and it makes us feel really warm and fuzzy so do it